Right at the Fork is supported by Picnic, the app where you can share and discuss your best dishes. Picnic. Eat better together. That's P-I-Q-N-I-Q. Download it today on iTunes. You're taking the check? Yeah, I wish. I wish. It's another It's another week, Chris, another chance for you and I to sit in a closely cramped studio and pretend like we haven't just spent the last three hours hanging out with each other. I, I we ha- Well, we've actually spent more. Yes. So this morning yes. I woke up and I thought, uh, well, we've never recorded three podcasts in the same day. No. And so we did today, actually kind of 2.75, I would say. Right. But um, I woke up and I thought, and I started listening to you on Kink, because, uh-huh. you know, those who are listening need to listen to Kink in the Mornings and hear Court and Sheila. But I started listening to Kink and thought, wow, we're doing three. So that's three hours yeah. plus this. Mm-hmm. And you, and I do a, you I do a, get up at four. Yeah. Well, I wake up at, at 3.30. 3.30. Chris, I wake up at 3.30 so I can do a four and a half hour show every weekday oh morning. Oh, my God. And, and produce it. You're not just sitting there talking. You've got to arrange for all the guests. Right. And do the spots. And well, you know, that's, that, that part's fairly easy. I, I would have to say the podcast that we did today, including the one you're about to hear, that's the, I don't want to say toughest part either, but like it's constant talking, whereas I get to chill to some tunes on kink. So right. that, that's easy compared to, you know, sitting in here and engaging uh, great people like John Gorham. And, and you know, it's... It, it, that part was easy, so I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, well, this went. This was easy today, I think, because it flowed so wonderfully. We had great guests, and the first of which, as you mentioned, was is about to be. Yes, John of uh, Toro Bravo Inc. And uh, you, most of you probably know John's restaurants. You might might have in the years they've been open. You might have been to Toro Bravo. Oh, at least at, le- at least one of them. Tasting at, at some Alder. Point. Yeah. Mediterranean Exploration Company, uh, the new Plaza del Toro, which I think is one of the most exciting places in Portland. And um, and he's got a few opening up at the Pine Street Market, which, of course, you'll hear about. Um, he's uh, one of the most successful ra- restaurateurs, hands down, yeah. in Portland. Yeah, and, and has a very unique approach to it, which actually surprised me when we talk about this idea of, of tipping. We talk about tipping with John, and it's actually his, his approach has actually been the most different from anybody I've heard in Portland. So yeah, we, we've had a long day. I don't even remember yeah. what that was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I should explain it. People have to listen. No, to you it. have to listen. Yeah. But I'm going to have to. I, yeah. I get to listen again because right. I don't remember every single uh, every single statement on the podcast mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, uh, Chris, before we get too far into this uh, interview today with John, let's talk about Portland food adventures because you're doing something really cool. You're traveling. Across the seas this year. Yes. Again, we have three trips planned uh, in September of 2016. Pretty much take the whole month. I'll be there. Uh, and you can join me and chefs, uh, not just any chefs, but anybody. If you know Jose Chesa mm-hmm. at Ataula and now 180 in Chesa, he's, a, he's one of the best chefs when it comes to coming out and hanging out and talking and, and being uh, out front 
And uh, we went with him last September to Barcelona. Now we're adding San Sebastian and his family's summer home Ooh. to the docket. Uh, and that's uh, that's the last one in September, right after Feast, as a matter of fact. And then we also have uh, Chef Aaron Barnett of St. Jack, always one of the nicest guys. So the day that I met him, I said he's one of my favorite chefs in Portland from a personality standpoint. And, of course, he's an extremely talented chef. We're going to be going to Lyon with him. Mm. And then Italy, southern Italy, enjoying some pizza and wine with Rick Giancarelli of uh, Lardo and Grassa. Very nice. So people can find out more about those trips and all of your local Poland Yeah, we food have an adventures. event coming up at the Solo Club. We'll be doing the opening. We don't have the date as of the time we're recording this podcast. Yeah. But that'll be the first dinner ever at the Solo Club, which is the sister restaurant to Bisaw's. There we go. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com. You can get the details there. But there are two things I, I do want to point out But as people listen to this podcast. First of all is wherever you're listening to it, if it's on iTunes or if it's on Stitcher, if there is a feedback or a rating mechanism, please give us a rating. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think about the show. Give us a rate. The rating is the most important part because it helps people the find us in, the- in different podcast fees. So the more people that are participating in that, the better we are. And then the second is, is that if, as you listen to this podcast and you're like, hey, this is a pretty great podcast, share it because there you actually get something out of it today. Yeah, we'll have one of the we'll have a gift certificate to one of the one of John's restaurants. Yeah. To to and we'll pick the best share. Right. And this and when we say share, we don't just mean like share. No, we like share it and say something like, you know, why? Court's dulcet tones are really awesome. Or, or and don't do that now. That's been taken. No, no. See that? No, you can't use that one. But say some, say something positive about you know whatever. It, I guess it doesn't even have to be positive. But just say something. Just don't let it be a, a boring share. Well, plus a little interactivity is nice. Yeah, we've had. We're in, a, and I have to say, I want to give a shout out to um, our listeners. We had our best month ever in January yeah. by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, more listeners than we've ever had before. So that is really cool. And let's keep it going. So, um, and we're with guests like John Gorham. You can see why people want to hear what he has to say, Mm -hmm. which is happening right now. Right now. How you been? All right. How have you been? I'm good. Thanks for starting it out. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to see you here. I was just in um, Tasting Alder the other day and happened to run into Ron. Yeah. That was very good. It's always good to, you know, I was going to sit there and dine alone, and it was nice to yeah, have a good he'll, conversation. He'll always welcome somebody to sit beside him. Yeah. Well, I was lucky that I, I came in. So thanks. Uh, you know, I have I know you have lots of time on your hands. <laughs> so to come in here, it was just something to fill your day. So I appreciate your taking the time. Definitely. Thanks. So um, you ha- I was thinking this morning, the last time you were on the podcast was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was me and Renee. Right. Yep. And you were uh, just opening your third, no, your fourth restaurant at the time, MEC, yep. was in the, uh, in the uh, short, the um, scope for a couple of months yep. away. So here we are a year and a half later and you got, you're going on number eight, correct? Yep. yep. Eight. So you've done four in that time. Um, that's a lot. It's, it's been a lot, you know, but you know, our group has gotten stronger and, you know, we've, we've created more infrastructure and it's not, it's not me doing all the work, you know, it's definitely me finding, you know, people who are talented, who have a vision and helping them make their dreams come true. 
and you've gotten a lot. I, re- I remember when I first met you, you were just opening Tasty and Alder, yep. right? So that was, and you were, t- you told me that one of the reasons you had to open Tasty and Sons was to give everybody room to grow yep. and yep. an opportunity for everyone. So did you see that when you first opened Toro Bravo? Did you foresee that you were going to have to keep growing for that reason, or or was it just ambition? Or I mean, a, a little bit. I, you know, I, I came from a background of commissary kitchens, and so I, I I'd seen what it was to have a bigger picture feed everything and and the quality you got and the control. And so even back in the day when I was an owner of Beyond, the whole idea of that was to to that was going to be our charcuterie for the restaurants we would open, and you know that didn't work out with the partners I had then. And I went ahead and did my own thing. And even finding Toro and I saw what I, all the room I had in the basement and what I could, I, I could see a bigger picture. And then I, you know, I let it go from there. And then it comes down to, you know, you work with so many talented people, you have a choice, you know, eventually you're going to have a ceiling or you, or you, or you create bigger ceilings for them. Or and, you're going to lose them if you don't yeah, create yeah. a ceiling for them. And, you know, and, and what we do is we give them a lot of security. They could go do their own thing. And they would have a lot more stress and have to do like everything. And so what we do is we, you know, make them partners and then we take care of their back work for them and let them shine at what they really do. So that's interesting because not long ago we had Kurt Huffman on, Chef's yeah. Table. So that harkens to what he's doing, except the difference is you're a chef and you've already, in every case, some of with Kurt's, but he's not that you've already had time to get to know the people that you're going to make partners and you're feeling pretty comfortable about it. But yeah, I've, I don't think I could do Kurt's model of finding outsiders and pulling them in or concepts. I don't, I don't think I'd be comfortable with that. I really want to see that there's a, um, a synergy between myself and them and we understand each other and they understand how I'm working. And also, the, I want them to be in the bigger picture of like using our pastry chefs, using our charcuterie kitchens, you know, eventually I'm sure someday a bakery you know, and so, you know, that being a part of the whole is a little bit more. I think his, his model is a little bit more individual. Right. Well, yeah. yours is more organic. You, you, and, yeah, I don't you're wanna, supporting and talk a little bit about. Yeah, I don't want to say anything bad about Kurt's thing because Kurt's doing amazing things. I don't want to say oh, it's not organic because I think it's, you know, it's just a different thing. I'm, oh, yeah. And when I say that, I, I wasn't saying anything negative. Right, I've, right. I I love Kurt and yeah. I think what he does is great. His restaurants are great. It's, Matter of fact, I know some of his uh, the chefs in Chef's Table really well. And, yeah, and, and yeah, like I know. I, what I, I'm I a little was, sensitive on it because I just I know we're going to get compared a lot to it, and I just think we're two different beasts, you know. But but we're doing very similar things. You're doing similar things, and what yeah. the the for me the difference is when people are you know everybody sees Chef's Table and they're certainly taking note of what you're doing. Um, part of the difference is that you're you are uh, kind of elevating some from within. But you've been the name behind the organization for so long, so it's a little bit tough for you to put Casey out there in his new oh, place yeah. and then detach John Gorham from the It's so from the funny. Name. We're, we're working so hard on that. Um, you know, the, when we did the press release for uh, Shalom, y'all, <laughs> we really tried to put my, I think I put my name on it once, and it was in the end of it. It was just saying I was helping him out. And then all the releases were, John Gorham's opening Shalom, y'all. And I'm like, really, Casey's opening Shalom, y'all. And we are backing him up. And same thing with uh, Pollo Bravo and Josh. Those are those are their projects, their dreams, and we are just going to make sure they make it. So, did for instance, did Josh come to you and say, "This is what I I'd like to do someday"? He w- didn't necessarily know about Pine Street Market, but so you 
then okay, that can work within our model and and figure well, it out. Or was it all him, or was it? I mean, you guys hanging it, out it, well, having it, it some comes a lot. And, it, it comes a lot from travel. You know, me and Josh have been traveling a lot together the past few years. So we've done Spain a couple times. We've, you know, we've done some food festivals on the East Coast. He did the book, the cookbook tour with me. And so, you know, I think a lot of it is 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 finding the things that we think there's a hole, like where there's, there's something missing in town, um, making sure that we, we have a passion for it. And I think more, most important in every project we do is that it's got a story. There's something to tell. You know, I think um, every restaurant, I think the restaurants that don't have a story are the ones that have a hard time. Yeah, and I think they need, I, I think there's an interesting mix between those that have a story and a chef's story right. and those that don't. And I tend to think, well, they're not on the radar if they don't have a chef that's known. And But some of those are doing really well. Like, uh, And I won't even mention them because they may come to me and say, hey, wait a minute, we've got a chef. They just yeah, haven't yeah. put him out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so you mentioned things that aren't in Portland. What's not in Portland that still needs to be done in your mind? Well, I think there was a big hole for the for like the Israeli Middle Eastern stuff we did with MEC. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we you know we traveled again, traveled to Israel, traveled all over Spain, and saw this you know, and even the East Coast. And, and you know, I thought there was a niche that wasn't there when we did Toro. There was nothing like that. When we did the Tasties, there was you know, it was still you know, you know, some you know, omelet, potatoes, and toast for breakfast. You know, and not nothing being pushed there. Um, I, I still, I mean, I think there's some good rotisserie chicken places, but there's no one like doing the Spanish style um, with, with the little pinchos and tapas, you know, and it's, I've always had a dream of being in a market. So it's pretty exciting to do that. Yeah, that's cool. I think Israeli street food is, there's, you know, there's, that's a niche not, not here yet. So there's, there's still, I mean, I, I think, you know, some holes that I, food I love to eat that's not here. I think there's, a, a, we have a, a gaping hole for Eastern um, European, you know. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah. I guess for a long time we haven't had a lot of immigrants from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Have you been out to um, ever been out to Astoria to Drina Daisy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm talking more like the stuff in Detroit, like the Polish and Hungarian places that you see out there. Yeah, there really isn't that. There's the food yeah. cart, the the schnitzel. Yeah. Uh, what is it? I don't remember the name of it. Schnitzel witch. Yeah. Or which, yeah, something like that. I want to go back. I want to go back to the first time you were on the podcast, and you had four restaurants at the time, and now you've doubled inside, or you will be doubling here inside. Were were you, th- these concepts going back to that first time on the podcast? Were they being discussed at the time, or is this really within the last year that these? Oh no, started? they've been discussed for a long time. Um, MEC and Shalomi all have been discussed since Ron Avni and myself met. You know, we we've been talking about. You know, like you know, all those projects are like nods to his home. The Shalom Yall is actually the the um, logo for his horse ranch and restaurant in Israel. Oh wow! So it's not like something we made up. It yeah. was really it was really a nod to what his family and you know getting invited to into, into his family and eating those foods. You know, we really wanted to respect that. Um, the the Pollo Bravo. The first time I ever went to Spain was the, you know right before I opened Toro. And uh, there's a place called Puerto Rico in uh, Barcelona, and it's a hole in the wall. Is that the place? That's the place you sent me to. Yeah, yeah. Where they wanted nothing to do with me because I was American. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Muslim district. You got to, you got to kind of, you got to kind of swoon them to get them. And yeah. it was like one of the best chickens I'd ever had. Did you have any luck, Chris? I had the chicken. Oh, you were, it was tasty, but, but you weren't they, able to get any. Any conversation? There's like, there's like oh, secret sauces you can get if you know them and stuff. Yeah. So no, I yeah. wasn't ordering yeah. the elephant style or yeah. anything. Right. Um, but it was it was really cool. That's the place that's not far from Boca Ria, right? Yeah, Around yeah, the corner. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, my son and I went there for breakfast one. Yeah. Morning. So then I went back and I, you know, I was I went to a rotisserie chicken place in uh, Sevilla that blew my mind and all. You know, I just realized that that's that's something. I know we have you know we have a couple other you know the Mexican styles, but I think this is going to be a little bit more of what San Sebastian meets. Uh, you know, Barcelona. Well, that's kind of that's a nice. Yeah. That's a nice marriage. Yeah. Love that. Pl- I've been now been a couple of times I'm going back. So yeah. um uh they're they're two very distinct places. Oh, I very think. much. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, you tend from here we're we're just thinking Spain, but yeah. uh different coasts. Oh and- my god, I, I hear that all the time. I think, you know, with with Toro, there's nothing on our you know, I it was about when I was writing the cookbook for Toro. It was, it was, you know, myself and Josh and our team decided that if, if it didn't have a story from Spain, it wasn't going to be in our menu. And even to the day, we every time a review comes out or, or they, they, they want to sum us up, it's like Spanish-inspired food. And I'm like, no, it really is. Every every dish has a has something, but it's we're kind of encompassing all our travels from Spain. So, you know, you get, you get a tourist who's walked the Rumblas once and they think they know that that's Spanish food. But really, when you go to Galicia and you start seeing, like, you know, you know, foie gras and deer and rabbit and, you know, big braises. And, you you know, you go into, you know, San Sebastian and you see the French influence and the playfulness of everything. You know, I think uh, the Spanish cuisine is one of the most playful cuisines you can you can touch. So do you think um, everything you have on the menu could be attributed to that region or is there some Pacific Northwest John Gore? Uh, you know, I mean, everything, Eastern, everything has a, every, I mean, everything's going to have my style. And I think that's a big deal about. Part of our success is knowing what the public, the public's palate. We try to make it so it's going to be what people want to eat. But I, I think there's a story on every single dish at Toro that we can pinpoint, pinpoint back to Spain. Was there something specific on the on any of your menus that you thought Man, people are going to love this, and then it didn't didn't work? You know, I, I tried to bring uh, Cotito over. And we were doing Cathedo, uh for a little bit, and I just couldn't sell it. You know, and it's, it's such a bargain. It's such a. It's it is. A, you know, every Spaniard that's their dish, and I really we we we've stayed true to it a hundred percent. And the American palate. For, for somebody like me, what is what is Cathedo? It's a chickpea stew. Okay. So it's done like it's very layered. It's it's the chickpeas are cooked in a broth, with a bunch of like you know pork and chicken and stuff, and then it's, it's strained. Mm-hmm. Then the broth is served over noodles, and then it comes with like pickles and hot sauces and stuff. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's and we were doing it for like you know basically giving it away to try to get people into to, it to introduce yeah. it. Yeah, because we had a few Spaniards that that kept asking us for it, but yeah, it was not. And when you go to Spain, there's restaurants that are just for, for that. that. Yeah. Was that? Have you been to Pinocho at the market? The oh, first yeah. restaurant. Uh, so that chickpea, we've had that for breakfast. Is that close to what you're talking about? Or no, no. It's it's really the best places to get Cotito is Madrid. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. So how much of the um, you know you you mentioned Ron? How huh? much of your influence? If if Ron wasn't your partner, how different would your restaurants be? You know, it's funny. I, I, there's there's times in 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 our you know, ups and downs and our waves of being partners that I, I've cocky. You know, I've been cocky to say probably nothing. But you know, I, I've been reflecting a lot lately, especially with the travels we've done and, and the influences. And the, you know, we we have deep conversations all the time. And I think he's been an amazing mentor to me. And I think he's you know helped me grow as a businessman probably more than a chef. But he does have a great palate, and you know, it's, he is fun to eat with. And he's a great person. I mean, yeah. just sitting there the other day for forty-five minutes with him—it's a, 
we I just you know I don't know him that well. I sat with yeah. him a couple of times at your events at yeah. our PFAs, and um, he's just a genuine guy. We hit it yeah. off. It's yeah. Like, I mean, I don't really have any. You know, my, my I don't really have any you know parental in my life since I was probably in my early twenties. So meeting someone like that who really just kind of takes on a you know I can talk to him in that in that way. I can talk to him as a best friend. I can talk to him as a partner. It's it's been. I think everyone needs someone like that in their life. And what did he? Just curious. What did he do? He so you say he owned has a restaurant in Israel. Yeah, yeah. And so he's been involved in that. But he was in the tech industry, was he right, not yeah, beforehand? Yeah. Yeah, his dad um, went over to Israel and opened. He had a cowboy obsession, and opened a horse ranch and a little restaurant and you know you know in an inn. And Ron's family was always involved with that, but he left pretty young and went to uh, tech school and you know worked for NASA and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, he, you know, I think he is, you know, I think the 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 horse ranch always had its up and down, and he got really involved in it to keep his dad's dream alive. And so this, you know, the whole MEC and Shalom, y'all, means a lot to him, and these are a lot of his family's recipes. And, you know, it, it, it was tough opening it because his opinions were so hard. He'd want it so exactly Israeli, and then the American public didn't want that. So we, you know, I think that had a lot to do with a little bit of the bumpiness we had the first few months. And then finally me and Casey were like, we got the information, and now we're going to make this thing work. So what What is, like, if you were to, like, in a nutshell, define Israeli fare? Well, what's amazing about Israeli food is it's everything. It's it is it is a melting pot. If you think of you think the United States is a melting pot, is Israel is even more so. So mm-hmm. you know when all when all the Jews came back, you know they they were, came from everywhere. You right, know, Russia, you know you know Libya, North Africa, Turkey, Greece, you know, and everyone brought their cuisines with them. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, and then you have the Arabs that are there, which is probably what most Americans would think. That, yeah, is, that's the, that would be the yeah, first you, thing. Yeah, you probably think Lamb. more of that, but oh, you know, right. actually, it's it's a it's a very like Tel Aviv is a very, um, you know, it's it's very urban, it's very party, it's very it's, you'd be shocked of how how lively the spirit is there. Big cocktail scene, big bar scene, hmm. um, lots of like you know European influences on the food. So you just mentioned that. I think you were referring to MEC the first few months. My impression from what I saw going there and trying to get a seat and just the general media impression is that it wasn't rocky. It was smooth sailing. It was did really well from the get-go. So you're saying that it was a little challenging, that the things we didn't see, I'm sure every restaurant goes through that. Yeah, I think that was one of our most challenging restaurants. You know, it was at, you know we really you know turned our course on a few things. I think... Um, the, when you're doing Middle Eastern food, I think it's very similar to like Mexican food. It, you see chefs try to do a high-end Mexican restaurant, and it hardly ever makes it. And it's because there's a lot of mom and pop shop, shops that are doing it really well for next to nothing. So people don't see the value in it, even though it's a very you know heavily technique cooking, you know ingredient-driven cuisine. And the same thing with Middle Eastern food. You know you can go to Nicholas and have a, a great meal. You can you know there's a lot of really great and you, for half the price. So really, after about the th- third month too, we stopped. We started dropping a little bit more of that street food stuff that you would get, and, and really taking it to another level. But you know, we it was a it was a hard it was a hard one. You know, some of the reviews came. You know, it was the first time we've ever gotten like some hard hitting reviews. Casey got beat up a little bit. Really, I guess I didn't I didn't see them. I thought it was all it was pretty no, much. No, no, there was some there was some there were some harsh ones. And how do you take that? You're I you know I I see you as a. As a pretty emotional guy, yeah. I also see on Facebook you're uh, you're sh- giving lots of shout outs to your team. Yeah. 
I think you're. I know you've had a couple of uh, little flare-ups on Facebook in the past, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and then disappeared, and then come back. So you're obviously you got to be trying to control that. So when you get a bad review, how do how do you take that? I mean, you know, I I think that, and this is something I really think about with the leaders in my restaurants and stuff. I think if you're not working on yourself as a person, then you know you're, you're wasting time. So you know, I, I go see a life coach every week. I think about the things that, I, you know, like the, the flare-ups I've had and, you know, try to control the anger of things like that, try to just look forward and, you know, and then, you know, I try to be the rock for, you know, when something like that happens to Casey, try not to let him fall apart either because it, it is emotional, but we all have to realize that it's just opinions, you know, and, I, and everyone's got an opinion. I think restaurant criticism is really tough because that's it always is just an opinion. I can read yeah. a review and it's scathing, and I think, I, I was just there, I really liked it. So what... Yeah. Why? It's one thing for someone to think that and tell their friend. Yeah. It's another thing for it to go public with your opinion that's clouding a lot of people's. Well, and our city's so small that it's it's hard not to be you know in cahoots with reviewers. You know who they are. Have conversations with them. You know, you kind of sometimes think you might be friends, but really, you know, you're just you know it's as much as friends as you could be. It's still, you know, the, the, the sheepdog and the wolf kind of thing, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's always going to be, you know, you're doing this and they're doing that. And, you know, I think there's been times where I've opened myself up to some of those folks and, you know, didn't agree and lashed out and I was, it was wrong. I'll never do it again. So I think half the battle is realizing it and realizing, Oh, wait a minute, I got to step back here yeah. and not act, um, act this minute. Right. You know, yeah. I have a 24-hour rule for emails that have a tone to them. Right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I guess that's good for yeah. Facebook, right? I should probably I, I probably. should do a one-month thing yeah. for Facebook. I'd like to try. Well, that. you can. Well, I'm gonna say you can delete on Facebook, but not before somebody screenshots it and yeah, no, then, no, no, then no, it's no. there forever. You can't do yeah. that. No, I made I made my apologies and try to keep my peace on that stuff, and you know, try to you know, it's kind of funny. I you know, it's I'll, I'll never. You know, it was. I think I, you know, you get invited in, and you realize that you really want to be in that club. I don't. I don't know if I do. What club is that? The- just, just I, I, you know, the the whole like, you know, PR marketing, you know, reviewers. It, there, there's a, there's a there's a scene there for sure, and I think it's uh it's a lot of work if you if you get into it, and you you got to dance a little bit with it, but it's not what what I'm doing. It's not why I'm doing what I do. Yeah. Well, I think it it's. Um- it's an interesting marketing world here in Portland, and the best way to do it is just be a great restaurant, I yeah, think, and yeah. and put your best foot forward. But um, no one spends money on advertising, yeah. or not very few. Yeah. And if one does spend money on advertising, it's kind of viewed as a negative, like yeah. they need it, yeah. and they're not doing well enough. So then it becomes, okay, PR and social media, and it's... You know, you got to play the game. Yeah. I mean, you I do. Know. You have to play a little bit. You know, there's no, there's no getting around it all the way. You know, you can be a great restaurant, but then, then again, you look at restaurants like, you know, a, you know, a great restaurant. I have a ton of respect for. Look at like Mingo. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't play the game. I, and they're full every night, and they just do a great job. And you know, I think I'm always looking at you know people like that as as you go through the you know the long haul of it all. Is like I hope that we can grow into that maturity. You know, and the other thing I think about, it's funny, you know, I watch these restaurants who get restaurant of the year and they get a lot of attention. You see all the uproar about it. And, you know, I, I often think, you know, like it's, you know, the, the downhill is just as hard as the uphill. You know, it's like, you know, a couple of years later, can you keep yourself relevant? Can you keep yourself talked about? That's that's the battle. Yeah. Well, that, and part of that is opening new restaurants. Right. So if you're still just had Toro Bravo, would you think it'd be a battle? 
because part of your marketing oh, yeah, be, has be, been uh, opening new restaurants. Yeah, so be, it, it would be, you know, be, I would be bored out of my mind. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not, you know, I, 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 if I don't keep moving, I definitely start going cuckoo. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, oh, from, so part of yeah. your marketing is opening yeah. new restaurants to talk about. Oh, it. definitely. I mean, I, that's part of it. That's not why I open new restaurants, no. but it helps. You know, the cookbook was one thing that was, that was a definitely a marketing that was, we chose, you know, I think, you know, waiting about five or six years for your restaurant to be open and do a book is a good idea. That's about the time you need it, you know, to get another splash. So here's how, Court, here's how the Portland food scene, I think, is maturing. A few years ago, like 10 years ago, it was just opening a restaurant. Right. Then it was, then a few years after that, I noticed, well, it was opening a second restaurant. And then it was, now it's a cookbook. Yeah. And now it's opening multiple restaurants. So that we're, I think, about 10, 12 years into the maturity of the, the this right. Portland food scene. Of course, there were restaurants that were around before that, but... Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I wonder what the next thing is going to be in 2025, <laughs> what you're going to need to do. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, it's, <laughs> we'll see, you know, just, you know, I think just keep being yourself, you know, be, be organic. I think that, yeah. I think that, so what, was there a moment you said you're going to a life coach? Yeah. Was there a moment where either you or somebody else said, Hey John, you need to take stock and do this. Can you identify that moment? No, it was myself. You know, it was, it was definitely, you know, at the time when, you know, yeah, I could, I, I can, you know, it was, it was when I did Tasty and Alder and all of a sudden I wasn't in the kitchens anymore. You know, I was, I was running it, you know, from the dining, you know, from the outside, you know, I'd go, I was there, but I wasn't with the cooks for an eight hour shift and in that family circle. And, and I, I found it very lonely at first, you know, you're, you know, it is a very, you know, you're by yourself often and you're not making the connections you would when you're with someone that long. And at that point, I was feeling a little lost, and that's when I started started seeing somebody like that. And, you know, you know, and, and I think the the biggest thing that I've I've worked on with seeing a life coach is, and I, I had zero because of my my family upbringing was empathy. You know, and I, I really had a hard time with empathy, and I think that's an important thing to be a good leader is is to be able to you know put your eyes in someone else's you know in life and see what they're going through. And I'm not trying to dig too deep, but I find it really interesting because I. You know, I've known, and I'm not saying, I've known a lot of people who have gone through that and taken stock and gone different directions on how to, how to get to be a better person, right. as you're talking about. So it, it does interest me a little bit. And, um, you know, is there, was there something, was there someone you weren't empathizing with enough that you said, oh, oh I gotta, I have to feel for them a little bit. <laughs> it was I mean, it everybody. had to be a, it had it was, to be a slap yeah. in the face yeah. is what I'm saying. It doesn't just happen like. Or it doesn't happen over time. There's something that usually happens to spark a change. No, like I said, it was it was that it was it was just you know that that you know going through that change of all of a sudden not being in the in the team like in the trenches with the team. And yeah. you had to you spent a lot of time not to dig this up, but I found it interesting. Right. You spent a lot of time opening that, and what you're doing is elevating people from within your organization. Yeah. And I remember when we did our event, you know, the in the spotlight was Morgan, and then. Morgan Brownlow, and then a few days later, he wasn't with you any longer. Right. So you have to go and regroup quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's a challenge, I would imagine, especially I mean, in a new restaurant. He's the one who's got all this. That's the, that's the benefit of like what I have, probably that that Kurt doesn't is is like you know, with my wife being a floor manager and a, a great service person, and myself, I, there, I, there's nothing I can't. I, you know, I could jump into a kitchen any moment and do it if I have to. So if something's falling apart or all hell breaks loose. 
you know, we got it. We're going to, you know, it's not gonna, It's not going to crumble, you know, and we'll, we'll, you know, we keep the vision the same. You know, and I believe in lots of parachutes, we like to call them in our company, lots of backups. We have backups of everything we need as far as like, you know, hardware, stuff like that, plates, silverware, you know, equipment. Salt and pepper like, shakers I mean, that are going out yeah. the door at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at tasting. Yeah, so. you know, and the same thing with, with cross training, you know, like, you know, we have a, we have an amazing group of people that work in the office with us now, and they all came from within. And, you know, they're chefs, managers, you know, people looking to, you know, to grow as themselves and become more of the core. And if something happens, you know, we call it bringing the cavalry. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll send in a team of people to go fix an issue if something's going wrong. From somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty strong. Yeah. And, you know, and all of, the, all of your restaurants, unlike Chef's Table, all of your restaurants seem to have a little common thread through, which is you and yeah. Renee and your yeah. team. But yeah. the menus, everything has a, a you know a feel to it. Yeah. And you're now you're calling it. What are you calling the the parent company? Well, it's Toro Bravo Inc. It's Toro Bravo Inc. Because yeah. a couple of years ago, one of you had said Brave Bull. Yeah, yeah. We, well, like, we call our we call the team the Brave Bulls. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But, but yeah, Toro Bravo. But so when you need to yeah. call in the cavalry, they have a you know. In other words, with Chef's Table, and I don't mean to keep yeah, comparing, yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. I find the whole thing interesting because a lot of people think that Kurtz is the only model. It's not. Yours is a different model, right. and, and it's doing really well. Um, the difference is he can't. it's hard for him to call someone in. First of all, the sh- they have different companies. Right, yeah. So it's hard for him to ca- call someone in from St. Jack to help over at Roe. You right. know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I guess it could, but it's probably yeah. not going to well, we keep a good family that way, you know. Just recently, Jamal went over from MEC and helped revamp the uh, Tasty and Sons Bar program. You know, you know, Mindy. Does and he's, still, he was with you. Yes, he's been yeah, with you for a while. Yeah, Mindy does the entire wine list for the whole company, and she's working with all the floor managers on that. Uh, Jeremy is, you know, consulting Pollo Bravo, and he's at Alder, and he'll consult other things. You know, Josh Schofield is, you know, he'll go around. Um, I have this uh, guy I've lo- I love, uh, Drew Sprouse. He's uh, worked with me since the early uh, beginning of Toro, and he's just a total roundsman. I can throw him the tasty and be like, "Hey, I want these recipes locked down." He's uh, doing all the recipe testing for the Tasty and Sons book right now. He'll go to Plaza and do events there. So I mean, and there's it's, there's a plethora of that. A, a lot of our employees leave and they come back, and when they come back, they want that rounds job. They they they, they want to like be able to have a lot of excitement and be the heroes. So there's there's a lot of those in our company. Was it good for that? It's probably a good thing for them to leave and come back and get a different perspective yeah, and, a, and a different appreciation. Yeah. For what they have. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. You know, I think that was another thing. Like going to see a life coach was, I was. You know, I felt like there were times where we were burning bridges with people who were leaving. You know, because you, you get emotional. You're leaving the family. You know, usually you know things. You know, like you'll see the you know bad side of people for a minute when they do leave. And then you realize they're still great people, and, and you know they they just need a different you know outlook. So we really have uh, I think grown in the company of like you know releasing people you know gently and hoping they come back you know if we put a lot of time into working together. And then there's releasing people when they need to be released. That's, That's always the hard one, you know. And some, some sometimes you know you, you see I mean you know I read um and it was funny Ron gave it to me it was um, Restaurant Man, it's um, Pastiani's book from uh, the Mario Batali's partner, Joe Basciani. And, um, you know, he, he talks about letting people go. And, you know, he, he, he and inside the book, he's talking about, you know, if it's jeopardizing the reputation of the company, that's when it's got to go. That's when it's got to happen the most. 
And there's, there's, there's power in that, that if you're jeopardizing the company and the brand and everything we do, then that's jeopardizing the livelihood of, you know, we have 200 employees, 200 households, that affects 400 people. You know, that's powerful. And that's our resumes. That's our, what we're going to, what they're going to build their, their building blocks off of. So when we do let someone go, generally that's what's in our mind is we feel like it's, there's, there's, it is jeopardizing what we're doing. And do you tell them that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. No, I, I try to, we, you know, me and Renee both, and hopefully they, there's some growth out of that, you know, for sure. So do you guys uh, in the evening say, draw straws for who's going to do the dirty work or is it front of the house, back of the house situation? It, de- it depends on the relationship with the people. I mean, you know, more and more we're trying to separate ourselves out that we're just with the managers. You know, I'm an open book. If I'm in the restaurant, I know all the cooks and I'll say hi to them and they can all, they can all have my ear. But as we grow, you know, I, you know, I can't have 200 people with my ear every week. So we start scaling it down to where our communications are with the managers and the managers then have to do their own work. All right. So here's one where you probably have to be politically correct. I'm just guessing. I would view it as, as uh, working so closely with Renee. Right. You guys are you're wonderful people. You adore each other. But there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. in your company. And there have to be times you either disagree or that it's, you know, it affects, it's a marriage yeah. and a business partnership. Yeah. How do you balance that? It's hard. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, you know, we try again, try to find compassion for each other and little empathy. I think try to understand when each one's having their own stresses, you know, what's going on. Um, and, you know, just talk about it. You know, I don't know. It's tough. It is tough, but it's, uh, hard enough it's, it's to very, it's also very rewarding. You know, it's also no one's going to understand you and what you're going through like that person. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're big cheerleaders for each other yeah. too, which yeah. I think is I'm yeah. sure privately and publicly yeah. as well. Yeah. No, Renee's amazing at her job. You know, she's great. She, she balances being a great mom too. And you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, I think that's another thing is, is you, you, you know, in our company, we're not out to burn anyone out. Matter of fact, we push you out. If you try to overwork yourself, most people work four days, Salary people work five. We don't ever, you know, even if you work to six, we'll pay you for it. And um, I think we, we try to put that on ourselves as well. You know, try to get away, refresh yourself, keep your mind fresh. So let's, uh, in a second, talk about um, the restaurant industry and tipping models and so forth. From yeah. house. I'd love to hear your take on that. But first, I don't know if you, you know, we ought to talk about picnic. Yeah. Right? yeah do, do, you, to... do you do much cooking at the house? Who cooks at the house? Pretty much myself. Pretty much yeah. yourself. Yeah. Do you do yeah. a good job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, Picnic is this great uh, locally based app. It's created right here in Portland uh, that we've been talking about for about a month now, Chris, right? right? And it, it, think of it as Instagram meets Reddit because it's a bla- great place for home chefs to showcase the stuff they're making in their own kitchens and then, you know, take pictures of it. And hope someone like you picks up on it and wants yeah. to. Wants to maybe do it someday. Anyway, they're a supporter of ours, and this cool. is our product uh, placement. Yeah. All right. So we, <laughs> we are nonchalantly just slipping uh, that in there. Yeah, no, we like to do that. Yeah. And you can actually, two things we ought to mention, Court. Right. Go to our website, rightatthefork.com. You can see the Picnic logo there. Mm-hmm. Click through to there to get the Picnic app. Right. Um, and uh, also, you were saying this morning, what would help the podcast? Oh, which is uh, give us a review. As you're yes. uh, downloading us through iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is, go to the place where it allows you to review, 
And the more of the reviews, I guess you could give us a bad review if you're not liking what you're hearing, but please don't. Well, call, let us know but, first yeah, before right. you yeah, do there that. There we go. There we go. We'd appreciate that. But uh, the the more reviews, the better it helps us kind of pop up in people's uh, podcast feeds. Yeah, and we get a lot of feedback on our Instagram feed, Food Podcast PDX, yeah. and um, and on Facebook. But it's nice if, if we'll do it someplace where it counts so we mm-hmm. can get higher up on some... Uh, We've grown. We had a great month. Yep. Um, speaking of reviews, do you read them? I'm talking about the Yelp reviews. Do you read like customer you know, feedback there? I used to read them uh, religiously every day, and you know, and I, I think I really feel like I'm probably the opposite of a lot of chefs and owners. I felt like it was like having a secret shopper. You could really, I think, there's truth in every criticism, and. You know, uh, you know, you'd read into it, especially when I open something new. I'm I'm reading quite a bit to just be like, what's going on? You can't be there every hour. Is someone doing something weird? Weird verbiage, you know. And so, uh, you know, right now where the restaurants are at, and you know, Plaza being like not one that really gets reviewed, I've you know, I feel like we're we're in a you know the long haul. So I probably I probably open it up about once every week or two. Yeah. Oh, so and you can read through those and see who's articulate. And yeah, I mean, really I'm, I mean of course, point. I'm looking for the bad. You know, it's it sucks for. You know, I think anybody, you know, you, you have 10 good ones and one bad one, and I'm never going to open the good ones. I open the bad ones, right. you know, and I, yeah. because I want to know what happened, you know, and, and see if it's if something I could correct. So, um, so obviously you're seeing enough there to continue to do it. Otherwise, if it wasn't worthwhile, right. I wouldn't doing it. Yeah. We wouldn't be doing it once a week. So um, we've been talking a little bit on the podcast over the last month. Kurt, made, Kurt Huffman made a little right. controversial statement yeah. that was, it's the worst time ever to open a restaurant. Or I shouldn't pair. Worst I, time that he's seen. Right, that is, he's is, seen. was the gist of Ever it. wasn't the word, so yeah. I don't want to misquote him. Uh, to open a restaurant in Portland. How do you feel about that? You've got two coming up. I mean, I, I, I think that's, I don't know. I, I have a very different opinion on it. I think that, you know, if you go with with, with averages and what restaurants should last and we, we should we have more closing than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- you see more opening than you see closing in a week, you know, definitely on the, on the media. And so, and what, an average restaurant nationally doesn't even make it a year? I mean, I think- Is, we that, have, the, is that the fact? I think so. The, I mean, I, I, I know that was a few years ago. I, you know, I, haven't, I haven't kept myself up to date if that's still going, but um, I, I think, you know, money's cheap. You know, it's not hard to get. Real estate's good. If we still have cheap real estate. We have an active audience. I mean, I think- You think I mean, it's still cheap or is it- Compared I to a few compared, years ago. I mean, I think compared to um, other cities, it's still cheap, you know. So Just, that's the way you're looking at it. Because Pine Street couldn't have been, you know, they got to be, they know they're only going to have so many tenants in there. And they right. can get a certain rent, I would imagine, for Pine Street. Yeah, Pine, Pine Street's Street. not cheap per square footage of what you're holding on to. But it is relatively inexpensive to get a, to get a captive audience like that in one room. Right. It's yeah. a nice, it's, it's good marketing for your yeah. other restaurants, too. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it being that bad. I think the audience is getting bigger and bigger. I see, you know, when I'm out, the city's active. It's, you know, right now, especially this time of year, you know, you, I look at traffic patterns and what's going on the street and who's walking around and, you know, it's a, it's Portland's a busy city right now. So do you think maybe he was citing some of the ones that were, that need to fall off that were calling him looking for help and they're, they're going to be those. Yeah. Um, but you know, you go out and you look at open table and right. a lot of the, even the top tier restaurants, you know, they don't have reservations. Right. There are some right in the meet in the middle right. that I find you look and on a weeknight, they don't have anything but five and nine o'clock perhaps. So right. yeah. I see, you know, I see it both ways. I just heard him say that and I thought that was, yeah. uh, 
Interesting. I mean, I'm always one to try, you know, to, to always, you know, be an optimist in it all. And even if I'm having a slow night or whatever, I'm always going to say things are great, you know, because I just, I think that, you know, you're going to have some waves, you know, a bunch of new restaurants open, mine might slow down for a week or two, but they all come back, you know, and as long as you're doing a great job, um, I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, probably that model is kind of hard and I, and I can understand that, but I think Kurt's got some, you know, smash hits too, some big smash hits. Absolutely. Well, I think he was, Court, wasn't he referring mo- not necessarily to his and right. whether he was going to be opening a lot, although he implied he was going to, he's chilling for a little bit. Yeah. And then he announces Grasso like the week after, you know. Right. But that's yeah. one of his hits. Right. So, you yeah. know, and, and Superbite. Right. You know, Greg and Gabby from yeah. Ox can open another restaurant right. and they're going to. So he's not stopping. Yeah, I mean, that's two restaurants in a few months. That's, that's, for some people, that's all they open in their lifetime. You right. know, <laughs> you know, that's right. a lot. You know, I think, uh, I think I think that perspective needs to come. I mean, you can't your growth model always can't be at full throttle, and you got to be comfortable with that. Yeah, you're in the middle of full throttle right now. Well, yeah, but I was in the middle of a, you know, Plaza was you know from from MEC to Plaza that was a pretty easy transition. You know, Plaza was a, a, a definitely a diving board when we did that as a test kitchen. It, it definitely helped us. And uh, I, I wouldn't if I didn't have Plaza, I never would be at the at the kind of the fl- throttle on that right now. Plaza is very interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know what Plaza del Toro is all yeah. about. Can you explain? Court, have you been to Plaza? I haven't, no. So one of the yeah. versus dinners, which are very interesting, and you got a lot going on. Yeah. Explain a little bit about what Plaza del Toro is Well, about. you know, in, in, the, in the Basque Country, you have what's called gastronomic societies. And they're basically big, you know, eating halls and kitchens where people go to better, you know, their culinary arts to, you know, have, have community, you know, hang out with their friends, cook food. And, you know, we wanted something like that. And, we, you know, I think even back when I did Sympatica, it was very similar, you know, that concept. But this was just taken to another level. And, you know, you know, we also wanted a place where we could recipe test, you know, have meetings, you know, wine taste, you know, and just have a hall where our group can go and push, our, push what we're doing. Debates, you know, conversations. All my cookbooks are there. Um, you know, every tool you want to play with is there to play with. And so it's been a it's been a launching ground, hopefully for you know everything we're going to do. We we know we were able to put the rotisserie in there for a few days and you know cook our chickens before the kitchen starts. So it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a it's a bit of a bonus or you know maybe a, a head start that other people won't get when we get to have that. I find it um, you must it must have been a lot of fun to do because it's kind of an open concept. You know yeah. you you just talked about yeah. the reasons or the, how you're utilizing it. Right. But you had to, as you were building it, and since, think, oh, we can do that at Plaza del Toro. Yeah. We can do this. We can do that. It's very flexible. Yeah. And it's beautiful space. Yeah. It's in a cool, yeah. sp- it's in a really cool area. And it's... Yeah, we, we rent it out about, you know, we do, well, we don't, well, actually, we don't rent it out. But we do events in there for, you know, private events, probably four or five days a week. And then we get it for ourselves the other days. Our uh, pastry department's headed in there now. So that's where they, all the pastry stuff comes for the other restaurants as of, as of now, I can see us outgrowing it in another year or two, but um, it's, you know, it's great. Like I said, we've just put every toy we want it. And it was a little scary, you know, spending that kind of money and doing that and not knowing, you know, it was like you said, it was very open-ended. We're like, okay, well, I hope we can figure out a way to pay the bills, but it's, it's done well for itself. Well, if you're doing private parties there that often, yeah. where do they come from? Do you have a sales staff or do they just come into you? If you build it, they will come. We have an amazing lady that came to work for us, uh, Katie Gross. 
And she uh, she was at Undina before, and she's just, you know, she's a powerhouse at it. And she's, you know, a lot of Nike, a lot of weddings, a lot of birthday parties, a lot of corporate, you know, events, a lot of, uh, right now we've been doing a lot of our, our purveyors holiday parties. So it's, it's anything you want it to be, really. I find it fascinating because, you know, I'm doing events and yeah. one, when I first started doing them, yeah. there weren't that many. Yeah. There really weren't. Yeah. It was, you know, an occasional wine dinner somewhere else and the farm dinner, dinners yeah. in the summer. But now they're all over the place. And I find it fascinating how many restaurants have private space and how filled they are, yeah. how booked they are all the time. And this is a market where you have the Blazers and they, we can't get another, uh, and the Timbers, we can't get a football team or a baseball team because there's not enough corporate support. Yeah. Yet they're all going out to eat. So yeah. I guess that's smaller support. It's a yeah. different, it's a different thing. No, it's, it's, it's been great. We really, really like it. I, I think, you know, one of the keys to success, you know, for myself and it, it, it came like bringing Katie on and some of the people is like, you know, is to surround yourself with smarter people than yourself and be comfortable with that. And, I, and I've always been pretty good at that. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, if you could teach me something, I want to know, tell me, tell me, and you know, I'm an open book. I'm, there's no pride that way. Well, 200 people, that's a lot of brain power. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to have a lot of support. Let's talk a little bit about uh, we're we're gonna have uh, Scott Dolich on the podcast too. Yeah. So you know he's at Park Kitchen and the Bent Brick yeah. announced that he's gonna change his tipping policy. How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about that whole issue? You know it's 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 crazy right now. Uh, you know it's I think you know I, I, there's several levels. I think you know I think first off, you know I think for our food industry and what we're going through and how strong it is. To not have a tip credit is kind of crazy. You know, I think that if you really wanted to balance things out, that's what really needs to happen. You know, you got. Well, explain the tip credit to. Well, tip, tip credits. And, and, and it's, and it's what, what the, the sketchy thing about it is, is whether or not the owners do the right thing with the extra money. But tip credits are generally where a server makes about half the minimum wage because their tips credit the rest. You know, and it really, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, personally, if there was a tip credit every single dime, that would extra would go back to the other employees and it would really balance things out. That's if you want to balance things. That's how you balance it out. Um, so I was going to ask you as a person who employs 200 people in Portland, Oregon, which is a significant business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I want to kind of wend our way back to the tipping thing, but if you could, if, if you ran the, if you ran the city right. or the state, what changes would John Gorham make? Because I have some, you know, if I were president, here's what I'd do immediately. Right. So, some of those are yeah. a little scary, Chris. Yeah, no one wants me to be president. <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, I'm going to be politically correct. I love Portland. You know, I think, again, I think the tip credit's a big deal. I think uh, that would really help out people, you know, that might be struggling with the PTO and the, all, the, all the, you know, the, the services we want to give. I think everyone should have PTO. I think everyone should have health insurance. I think uh, those things are there, but our margins are so low. And uh, the, the other thing I'll say about the tip credit thing that a lot of people don't think about is, and I think it's a, a, a major excuse for our service. We, a lot of people will come and, and they'll complain about the service of Portland. And because of the budgeting we have to do on our floors, it's very unbalanced to like the, the markets we have to compete with. So if you go to Chicago, you go to New York, you go to LA and places that have tip credits, they're literally putting twice the amount of people mm. on the floor. So you see bussers and you see double host and you see, you see a staff, you know, like a, a team of people. To make it here, you really got to go a bare bones well, scenario. 
So it really, it really is hurt. I think it's hurting our, our competition to these other cities as well. So the city might want to wake up to that. And I don't know, it's more of a state law, correct? Yeah, the city yeah. can't do anything about yeah, that. Yeah. But the Portland food scene is pretty important to the state of Oregon. It is, yeah. So yeah. And, and I know that, you know, Lisa Schroeder a few years ago got out and she really started speaking out about it. And I think it really went negative. And I think, you know, it's it's got if when it when, if it happens or if it ever gets talked about, it's got to be talked about that like it is going to benefit the whole, not not the owner. You know, I don't right. I don't want that money. That that money oh, I didn't, that I money's didn't. in a budget for the staff, and I want the staff to get that. And I think I could you know if I could give better services like right now. You know, we do you know major PTO. We just announced recently that all our uh, salaried employees after three years are going to get three weeks paid vacation. So we're going to Europe. You know, trying to go more European on that. You know. We have a great health insurance for everybody. Uh, we're hoping we're hoping by the end of summer we're going to have 401k for everybody. So we're, we're still working hard on all that stuff. But it's definitely you know, if I didn't expand and do all the things I'm doing, every time I do another project, it allows me to give back a little more to the whole. So what happens if the minimum wage goes up to 15 bucks and you got to deal with that in the front of the house? It'll, it'll be fine. It will. Yeah, it'll be it's fine. Not gonna, so. But you're talking about a tip credit that that cuts it in half, and then that would increase. Yeah, but it. you know everything. Everything's got to adjust. You know, it's not. Every, you know, I, I think that the dangerous thing on that is is if it goes too fast, is the people who make fifteen dollars an hour now where do you go aren't going to get five more dollars an hour that right. fast. And yeah. so and so the people like you know like the fifteen dollar an hour workers in the restaurant right now are like you know the the five to six seven year people who have been really and they're 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 on the cusp of probably going into another level. And if all of a sudden minimum wage goes up really quick, it puts them in a minimum wage, you know, and it's going to be, that's the hard thing to adjust. So we've been actually trying to beat it. We've, we've been trying to look at it and focus on it. And, you know, pretty much our kitchens are there. Our dishwashers are getting close. And then and when it, if it happens and it's just my servers, I have to adjust with. So you're thinking years in advance then, because you don't know what's going to happen with minimum wage. Yeah, same thing with, when, you know, I, we were really on top of it when the Obamacare thing happened and we made that happen, you know, two years before it got locked down. It was really easy on us. It, it gave us a lot more buying power and a lot more, you know, like, you know, when we, you know, if we get a great deal on insurance, it's, it's our employees get great deals on insurance. So it's for everybody. So you're able team. to find them because people complain about Obamacare. We've done really good on it. But, you know, again, you know, being that we have a young crew and they're healthy, and so every year they're healthy and young, that it gets cheaper, actually, not more. Right. Yeah. And they take that into account every year. You're getting yeah. credit for how yeah because how they're going to they, you know, insurance. Is- we have a broker and they're going to go shop it, and all of a sudden they're going, "Hey, they put this much in the pot and they didn't take anything." Yeah. Well, I've, I never all my years in insurance, I've never felt I've gotten credit <laughs> for that. I had right. I had ice damming in my house in Connecticut. I've been paying for like fifteen years. Yeah. And on the second claim that cost them a few thousand dollars, they dumped me. Yeah. So I I always feel like insurance. I've never gotten a positive. It, oh, it's crazy. Like when, when it's renewal time, you know, me and Renee feel like we're freaking insurance brokers. You know, you you have to explain it all. You have meetings. You're like. It's our whole life turns into insurance for a month. And I'm like, I didn't do this for that, but I do care about our team. You know, I, I, you know, I, I always say my, my biggest asset is the team I get to work with. Well, that, and you, yeah, you, you yeah. can't do it all yourself. No, no, The larger you grow. The no, and I, and I want, I want them to have, you know, always, and another thing we always say is if we hire you, we want your life to be better next year than it was this year. Well, you know, you think a lot of, do, are they saying that with you court at uh, Alpha? 
They what, want it to be better this year than last year? I think that's what they always say. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> well, it's following through. There's a lot of empty statements out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that you believe it and you you can yeah. see when you're talking about it, you mean it. It's, yeah. not I, I, I think that's the difference for me working for a big uh, media corporation and, you know, John here working with a bunch, bunch of people. He knows everybody by name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, right now we're getting big enough where people are, you know, we every now and again will hear the corporate, the corporate word coming right, right. us, you know, we're going corporate. And I'm like, you know, we're, we're, we're just going, we're, we have to play a lot safer when you get bigger. Well, first of all, I think that that's one problem with Portland. Yeah. They have, there's, and I don't want to get political, but anybody who's successful or, you know, drives a nice car, you know, I, I, I had talked to one chef about an endorsement once and I said, you know, we might be able to get you a Mercedes. He said, I can't, I can't do that. I have to drive a Toyota because my employees will freak out. And what is that? Yeah. You know, you can't, we're all trying to work to be successful. Now, whether people like the concept of a Mercedes or not, that's one thing. But um, I think there's a stigma in this town that success all of a sudden, the, the people support the underdog. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And think about it from a stor- sports standpoint. We have the Blazers, they're usually the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. They always yeah. have been. And so, um, and people who come here, you know, part of the, the ethos of the city are people coming here trying to get a fresh start yeah. and, and having a dream and yeah. a creative dream. Yeah. So I think that that's probably what perpetuates it. But I think people should stop and think that, um, you know, success is a good thing. We're just helping the city grow. And as, as we become a little more like Seattle and a little more like San Francisco, just going to have to get used to it. Yeah, definitely. You know. I think I think it's just gonna come, you know. Again, you gotta tell your story. Make sure people know that you're you're meaning well. You're not, you know, you're not trying to, you know, build a, a, a massive wealth on the backs of other people. You know, you're trying to do it together. You're trying to, you know, be a, a whole. I, mean, I want to see everyone successful. You know, that's that's what you know. Like every time someone in our company does something big, afterwards, I mean, that's the that's the best reward there is. And so, um, what do you need to do? Uh, what you you had nodded before when I said it's a little bit of a challenge to take your name out of the equation. Yeah. Um, what do you, what can you do in a perfect world? How would you promote Casey and Josh? I mean, more I, so than you do now because I know you try. Yeah. And I know when we did an event with at with you at, I mean, it was all about Tynan, and I had not, I didn't know of yeah. Tynan before that, so I was glad to be able to do that. And he's a really nice guy and talented. Yeah. I mean, these, these guys, I mean, they deserve the credit. You know, I, I you know, it's funny. I think, um, and, and then this is the, the benefit of Kurt's model, you know, like his chefs all have their own names. They're all known. You know, there's chefs, my chefs have to walk in my shadow and it's not, I'm always trying to get out of their way. I'm always trying to push them ahead, you know, get their, get their name out. You know, every interview I ever do, if it's about one of the restaurants, I only talk about that chef, but you know, the writers, you know, that they write what they want to write. Even yeah. the press releases, because yeah. cause it's going to get news. If yeah. it's, you know, let's face it, if it's yeah. got John Gorham's name yeah. on the on the in the headline, that's clicks. Yeah, right. And so well, you know, and then I, gonna it, get, we get that here. We get the benefit of that on the podcast. As you well. know, Josh doesn't really care about it, and I, I think Casey's. You know, he's definitely come to peace with it. He's he's had some ups and downs with it through, through you know through time, and I think he realizes that it's just what it is. But I, you know, I'm always like, guys, it doesn't matter. This is not. It's not what we're doing this for. You know, we're not cooking for reviewers. We're not cooking for papers. We're cooking for our guests, you know, and when they are our guests, let's go all out for them like we do for everyone else. But otherwise, like that's that's where your focus has to stay. So what happens? And I don't know if it's happened yet. And you can correct me. 
um, when a guy like Casey or Josh grows to the point where like, okay, I want to go do my own thing, not backed by right. Toro Bravo Incorporated. Has that happened yet? Um, your, I'm, a lot of people have left, but I'm right. talking about the chefs you've been putting out there are, not, are not, elevating. Not really, but we give them, I mean, like, you know, Casey, I don't, you know, I think, you know, for what we're doing for them, I don't, I think we're, we, we create such a, a balance for them that I don't know if he'd ever want to do that, you know, and if he did, fine, you know, there's, there's no, there's nothing stopping him if he did. And uh, we'd be, you know, me, even me and Ron in our relationship, we say it all the time. If you ever get tired of me or you, let's just put it on the table and go. And it's, this is something I learned when I, when I was involved with Kurt on the inner urban, you know, every, every corporate, we were all S corps in my company. So do we, we'd have a, you know, buy sell agreement. It's kind of like your plan of divorce you do before you open Clean up. Yeah. And one thing we have in there and all our, all our companies now with all our partners is that if you want out, you get to make an offer, right? You make one offer. There's no, there's no one's going to appraise our company. No one's going to come in and look at our books. No one's going to tell us what we're worth. You make an offer, and then the other partners get to offer a dollar more. And that's over. Done. So that, well, that creates a fair offer. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. But your model of opening new places to have people to grow works for you in that respect, and that you don't, that's why you're doing it to, to have those long term yeah. relationships with your employees. Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, the two places. Uh, that you're opening at Pine Street Market because those are coming up in March or April. We're looking, so, I think grand opening April 1st. April yeah. 1st? Yeah, so we're doing Pollo and, Bravo. And a little bit about Pine Street Market because I'm, I'm sure that there are some people who don't even know what that is. We've yeah. been talking about it a little bit on the podcast. It's going to be pretty exciting. You know, I've, 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 had, I've wanted to do this for a long time. And actually when I did it in Urban, Dan Hart and myself were actually going around looking for spaces like this thinking maybe we would curate something like that. And then, you know, of course it was, it was pretty big for us where we were at at that time, but uh, it's going to be, you know, nine different spaces in you know, an European style eating hall, you know, probably what you would see somewhere like Madrid or, you know, is it at all? Cause I may have seen it, but Fennial hall in Boston. Have you seen that? Have you yeah, done that? Yeah. So yeah. who did I ask recently if it was like that? Do you know, is it like that about a smaller level? Yeah, a smaller that level. yeah. That thing's big. You know, I think, um, you know, yeah, but, you know, just lots of, you know, every restaurant will have its own identity, its own space, but there'll be like, you know, eating, you know, dining room area in the middle. Um, you know, everyone's trying to, you know, right now we're, you know, you know this is on uncharted territory for all of us involved. So we're, you know, right now we're really trying to figure out how we're going to get this, you know, service out there, bust the tables, get things like that. But, you know, we wanted to run, you know, I think, you know, individually, but also as a big a whole. It's a cool thing because yeah. Portland's a collaborative Community. So you're in there with people you've never that you've run into and maybe done some, yeah, shared some things with Salt. No, it's great. You know, we're 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 in meetings every Thursday right now, all together, all the groups, and it's just really great to see. Like, there's not a lot of egos, really next to none. A lot of great ideas. A lot of you know, a lot to learn. You know, Uh, when you know, it's kind of like when we did the verses dinner. The whole reason we did the verses was that we got to bring guest chefs in and watch them cook, you know, and like, hey, we're, we're going to be sponges. We're going to every, there's not been one where there hasn't been something where I'm like, man, that's a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to lock that one down. Mm-hmm. So the same thing in this scenario, you know, you get to hear everyone's kind of like business sense of being restaurateurs. And there's some things you're like, that's smart. I'm not, I haven't thought about that. Is there going to be a certain price level given the fact that it's kind of a less formal thing? It's not sit down and take, have, 
I, right, I, I think so, service. but we're we're trying to go like you know plate and silverware and you know trying to you know cl- you know keep will it, someone be waiting on you then? No, no you uh, can't each, do that. Each place will have its own service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they'll be take a number and we'll bring it out to you, or or so, come come to the window and get it and take it out. Okay. Yeah. We'll you know we'll you know again we're we're kind of going to play ball as we go. Do you uh, foresee more lunch or more lunch than dinner? I think it's going to be busy all day long. I really do. I think it's good. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be each stall or each restaurant is going to be balls out all day long, but I think in the end of a long day, it's going to come out pretty good for everybody. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I like the uh, the idea, and one of the things I like about food trucks or food carts is that when you have this, I, I don't know if you get it. I get brain freeze. Yeah. When it's where am I going to go, yeah. and the, you, there's just too much to take in and yeah. make a decision. I like the idea that that would be a place you would yeah. go. Can't make a decision. I'll go down there and twirl around. That's what I think too. You know, and I'm not. I'm personally not a big food truck guy. I just, I just, I, I don't know. It's something about you know the the. I don't want to be in the cold rain. I, I like service. I you know, I tend to not eat at some of the counter service restaurants where I. So like with Pine Street, everyone's going to have a bar. You can get sir. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you want full service and you sit at the Pollo Bravo bar, you're going to get service like any of my other restaurants. Okay, how many yeah. seats at the bar? There's, uh, we're, we're trying to do about 12 at our bar, and then we have a standing table, two, two four-top standing tables for Pollo. And then Shalom Y'all will actually not, it's, it's like seven seven seats. What's Shalom Y'all? You had alluded that, to it before. but That's going to be um, uh, Israeli street dish food. Or, yeah, but what kind of dishes can people expect? Well, we're, you know, that one we're going to go breakfast to dinner. So uh, for breakfast, we're going to fo- focus on shekshukas. And, uh, you know. That's one of your signature yeah, dishes. Yeah, Middle Eastern baked eggs. Um you're going to see, uh, you know, we got deck ovens, so you're going to see homemade pitas, a lot of Israeli salads, um, hummuses, you know, cl- you know, traditional Israeli hummuses. Is that how you pronounce it? Hummus, I've always called yeah. it hummus. Hummus. We've been wrong all these years. I'm wrong on so I'm probably, much. I, I'm probably saying it even a little bit wrong there, but if you hear, if you hear <laughs> yeah, Ron, yeah, Ron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, get your phlegm up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hummus, yeah. Yeah. Like, like yeah. your... Uh... Yeah. We'll use this podcast as a reference, Chris, because if we go somewhere and they're like, hey, man. Come on, what yeah. are you doing? It's like, no, that's the way you say it. Check out the podcast. Absolutely. Well, yeah. we, we have to make it <laughs> universal. So this is the source yeah. for, for how to do it. So um, there's going to be, I know Adam and Jackie are doing like a healthy Yeah, they're juice, doing like a juice bar. Which I think yeah. is fantastic because, yeah. yeah. you know, you don't think of, uh, and no slights, you don't think of Country Cat as the healthiest yeah. fare. There's some certainly healthy dishes on the menu, but- yeah. Um, I think that's really cool that they're doing some. Yeah, I think Common um, Law is going to be really exciting. You know, uh, Patrick McKee and uh, um, Earls from Long Bond. You know, they, they it's their space is looking really cool. It's definitely, um, I think you know Ken. Ken's been a great guy to work with. I really like Ken a lot. I have a lot of respect for Ken. Who, who's Ken? Ken from Artisan Bakery. Oh, Forkish. Ken, that yeah. Ken, Ken Forkish. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, all everyone from OP has been great. You know, just you know, definitely smart people. You know, making good decisions. And is the salt and straw? I've been seeing about the soft serve. Is that yep. where the soft serve yep. is going to be? Yep. yep. And what's it called? I can't. I don't remember. They it's just something announced. With a bang? They announced this week. Yeah. Something whiz bang. Whiz bang. I think. Yeah. Whiz bang. I don't know if it's whiz bang. Yeah. yeah. But so I saw a. Uh, what do you think about this? I saw he was serving a smoked ham soft serve. Yeah. And, I, and my first, you know, I love Tyler. There have been some ice creams there I really like, and others I'm, yeah. I'm not. You know, I. Uh, there are certain flavors that that appeal to me and don't, but smoked ham. Well, you know, I personally, as a chef, I'm sure you know you get to know. I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. I'm not, 
I'm, I'm not one. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I, I like to push my own boundaries a little bit, but I'm not one out there. That would never be something I would make. Right. But everybody, you know? people love that. I mean, look yeah, at the lines. I know. It's, but and then, you know, and then the other funny thing about myself is I just, I don't have a sweet tooth at all. I just don't really, um, sugar is not my thing. And that's uh, good. Yeah. And you know, then on top of that, I don't have a gallbladder. So that's another reason why <laughs> that's you know, not so good. I, ice cream, ice cream doesn't work for me too well. So how does that work when you, you have Carrie, your pastry chef uh-huh. now, right? How yeah. does that, how do you, if you don't have a sweet tooth, I guess you're relying on a lot of people. No, to, I taste, I mean, I'll taste anything Carrie makes for sure. But if I'll you don't, my... you, you don't love it. So, I mean, I'm not saying you I don't mean, love I don't, her food, I mean, but you don't love dessert. How can you evaluate what she's doing? I mean, you know, I've trained my palate through the years of my life. And maybe, that's, and maybe I, that's the best way. Yeah, Somebody yeah, who's I not mean, a sweet tooth that they can yeah. be a little more objective. Well, exactly. And I like, I like, I think that's, I mean, we've always had very successful pastry programs even when I was directing it back, in the, you know, before Carrie. And it's like, I think a, a lot of that had to do with is our desserts weren't overly sweet. They were a little bit more in line with everything else we were doing. Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. The point both of you make, if yeah. if it's not your thing, because I know I'm not, I don't love beets. Right. But when a chef prepares beets, so I actually, there's two levels. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can I can eat that, and then there's wow. I really like this. I and and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that I like I'm a sugar hater, but you know, it's just not. It's not. It's thing. not my thing. It's just not. You know, if if a dessert comes to the table and it's great, trust me, I'm in there with everyone else. But uh, it's you know, I personally, I don't. You know, I don't order dessert at the end of my meals. It's not. I'd rather have a glass of sherry or you know something like that. I am entering a new era where I'm going to order less dessert. Yeah. You know, it's. First thing I can, I'm not a big drinker, so right. that's fairly easy for me. Right. But I'm just trying to cut back on sugar and yeah. all those things. I had a little, just got to make sure I'm going to, I'm going to last <laughs> yeah. with, with Portland. It's yeah. kind of tough. Yeah. It's tough. Do you get out a lot to, uh, to eat other places? I try. It, it's, it's a, you know, not enough. Uh, you know, I, there's so many chefs I have a lot of respect for and I wish I could get in their restaurants more, but. You who, know, who are those? Where do you wish you could go more often? You know, I, I say that I've been all the time. I've been watching the Woodsman on social media, and he did a versus dinner. It just looks like he's a smart guy, and he, I really liked his uh, his technique. And you know, who's, what, who's over there now? Um, I God, I, I wish you put me on the spot right uh, now. That's all right. Well, we can. I'm sorry. Either, I'm, just, I'm a little. We can I, I, I did a dinner. <laughs> I did a dinner last night over at uh, at Plaza. So I'm a little. I'm a little tired. Um, it'll come to me though. But uh, he's he's great. Um. um I haven't yeah. been to the Woodsman in a long time, and it's a nice place. Yeah, Carlo over at um, uh, Clyde. Yeah, I love Carlo. Fun guy, doing great stuff. Have uh, you had any of his Filipino? I haven't. I really want to because I love that food. Oh man, yeah. he d- we did an event with him where that's all he did, and he doesn't get to do that at Clyde. He does it once yeah. in a while now. You're seeing it yeah. permeate the menu, but we did the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. It was yeah. spectacular. I didn't, you know, I didn't, ha- I didn't know what to expect. Yep. He's definitely one of the best. I love events. Brian at Pizza Shoals. He's such a nice guy, and uh, you know now he's doing lunch. It opens up, you know, a little. I, you know, pizza with not again not having a gallbladder. If I eat pizza at night, I get heartburn. Mm-hmm. But if I have it for lunch, I'm good. So now that he's doing lunch, you know, I'm back in there. What do you think of all the new pizza places opening up? Man, it's we crazy. have too much pizza. It's a little crazy right now. You I, know, it's definitely saturated. Yeah, um, you know? I think so. And Brian, uh, I love. A Pizza Shoals pizza, and he's doing smaller ones yeah, now, yeah, too, yeah. which for me was always my little bit of a gripe because I love his pizza. I'm from New Haven yeah, area. Yeah. But to go there with three people or f- maybe you had to order two pizzas, and now with after beers, you were in there for 60 or 70 yeah. bucks for pizza. 
I my mindset is not there with pizza. And so now that he's doing the smaller ones, yeah. you can order just one like you can elsewhere and yeah. be in and out of there for twenty bucks a head. I like that. I think I think Tommy was a genius with pizza jerk. I just you know, the, I've I've had the, I've had one pie right when he opened it. it was really good. You know, I know he's I know Tommy always works on his food, so I, was, I know it's gonna be like great, great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, but it like the atmosphere of that place is amazing. You know, it just it hits a nerve. Well, coming from the East Coast yeah. and the Carolinas, it's got, kind of got that yeah. feel yeah. to it of a restaurant with the red and the yeah. checkered tablecloths and yeah, yeah. I had I had a great. He's making a white clam without the shells, so yeah. I'm happy. Well, he's not calling it; he's calling it clam jam. Yeah, but um, I, I've been after that for years. Yeah, Ben Meyer from Old Salt. He just cooked with us, and he's such a great guy. And seeing him, I always Jason French, another. Great friend, you know, have yeah, a lot the, of respect. The Grain and Gristle is one place I probably top of the list that I say I just haven't been there enough. Yeah. I see it. You see restaurants in, on your Facebook feed and then think, why haven't I been there in a long time? You know, the the funny one that we, you know, my, we're, my, I, my girls really don't like to eat out that much. And, uh, you know, I live over on 12th and Prescott. And, I, you know, I think it's a restaurant that just turned it around and does it. I love it. My kids love it is uh, Bamboo on Am- and, um on Alberta. On Alberta, yeah. 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 Well, they've gone through a few changes. Yeah, yeah. They had some shakeups and they had some, you know, things. But, you know, I, I think they're doing a great job. The food is so consistent. It's always good. My kids, you know, it's really family friendly in there. I think probably more so than their other ones. I just went to the one on the West End. Yeah. The new one. They had a opening dinner. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. That's, a, that's an incredible block now. Yeah. Three years ago. There yeah, was uh, nothing there. I know, it's nuts. And then now with you'll have Tasty and Alder. Yeah. You've got Lardo Grassa. Um you got a lot of places. Bamboo yeah. now and then Superbite. Do yeah, you know anything about Superbite? What's that menu gonna be like? I don't I don't know. And then we're putting Pollo Bravo across the street too. You got Chizu, you got Molten Number Whiskey Library. Right. Yeah. So. I haven't gotten into Molten Number Whiskey Library yet. But oh, have cool. the lines subsided? Yeah. Is it easier to I, get I in think there? so, yeah. So, Court, how are we doing on time? Do we want to do the? Um, I think we're out. We're out. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're. I can do. I can do one. I can. I've got. We've got these quick fire uh, questions, John. Okay. Here, and I'm going to choose my best one. All right. All right. Make it this as hard as. Uh, and I'm actually going to go to this one that I think is going to just be a tough one. It's the Sophie's Choice question. If a new law is crazily passed here in Oregon, that allowed you to only have one restaurant, you can only own one of them. Which one would you keep? <laughs> 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 you know, it, uh, um, you know, I, go quick fire. It would probably be at Plaza right now. You know, we're having mm. so much fun in there, and, and just what we did with the equipment and, and the, the infrastructure of it. Yeah. But you know, and then logically, business, I bet on businessman Toro. would be Toro Bravo. Yeah, I but bet on that. but, I, but I, I feel like I could do what I do at Toro at Plaza. Yeah, it's, it's it's it sounds like at Plaza you right. can do whatever you right. want. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why I would I would say that. But that's that's a. Uh, yeah, that's that's tough. Well, that's just, I think I think you know honestly, if there was a law that was passed, I could only have one restaurant in Oregon. I would move. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> what, yeah. that's, the, real, move. that's okay. the real answer. Then I'd be like, all right, we're going. Where would you move? You know, I I, uh, I I definitely grew up in the southeast, and I love the sun. I was just you know I, I mean, you know Renee Renee wants to live in the sun at some point in our lives. You know, I, you know this is definitely. Kids are done. We're you know we're out of school. I mean we've got a four year old right now, so not to, not, not to scare the public or anything with what we're doing. But you know I, I I was just in Savannah and I just I I you know I love Savannah, dude. It's, that was my home away from home. Yeah, so. it's just a it's a great city, and I 
one thing I do miss about that culture is just the, the friendliness of the people. And I, I, Portland's a friendly city, but it's just, you know, Savannah, it's different. Everyone well, looks you in the eye. Everyone says hello. Everyone shakes your hand. Everyone opens the door for you. I think so. I don't know. I got a feeling that it was an old boy town, too. You know, yeah. and um, I was actually trying to do some little business, just uh, scope out possibility of doing business there. And if oh. you weren't from there, yeah, you were not. It was not okay. Yeah. And whereas Portland, if you're not from here, it's totally okay because that's where that's the case with well, most I mean, everyone. I mean, you know, if you're, not, if no, you're, a lot if of you're, yeah, if you're from Savannah, you're from Savannah. You know, yeah. that's definitely it's yeah. It's a it's a beautiful city. Even even, uh, even me just being there, I was just there, and I'm downtown, and Liz and myself went to go get some breakfast after you know it was our last day in town, and we go to this you know kind of famous little diner that's down you know down in the Garden District and. We're eating breakfast and, you know, we're checking out. We're talking just, you know, the friendliness that the Southerners have. And all of a sudden this lady's like, where'd you go to school at? And I hadn't been back since I was 15. And she knew all the friends I knew. And I'm like, she went to school where I went. And so you, like you're saying that, that it is, it is really a small town. Yeah, it's great. I was going to tell a story. We don't have time. We've gone longer than we've probably ever gone. This is the longest we've ever gone. Yeah. So, but we could go on forever. So I really appreciate it. I think we covered some nice ground here. I was going to ask you quickly, you got anything going on at Plaza del Toro people will be interested in in about a month or so. I mean, everyone should keep their eye on those versus dinners. They're amazing. They're really good. I had it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.